everyone. You doing all right? Good. Give your neighbor a fist bump and ask them how they're doing. Oh, yeah, you need a good fist bump. Come on, you got to give a fist bump. We can't move on. I saw several of you just sitting there staring at me like, is he serious? He is eternally serious about this. Have to give fist bumps. I'm glad that you're here today. I really am. Um, man, thank the Lord it's not pouring down rain. But I do need to take a vote today because I do judge people according to this. All right, Who actually enjoys this kind of weather? Is there... That's what I was afraid of. Who would rather it be 80 degrees outside? That's what I was hoping for. Okay, I need to settle down a little bit. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed the two weeks of fall in Oklahoma. That, that, that was it. Tonight we start winter and move on. That's okay, though. In six months, there'll be two weeks of spring, and then we'll go into summer. Okay? So that's how we roll here. Um, we are in the middle of this series called Everything is Spiritual. And it, it, the, the single goal, this is really out of just totally something God has laid on my heart for years. You hear me say often that I believe everything in this world, all the plants and trees and the physical laws and all those kind of things, all of that is patterned off of the spiritual world. And the reason for that is as you go through Scripture, you get to see hints of that all through Scripture. Last week we talked about kind of the foundation message for this series, um, that, that everything is spiritual. We talked about how you and I are spiritual uh, connected the dots to really every situation, every circumstance, every person that we meet, how that God created us in His image, and that meant that it's spiritual, not physical, because He spoke the animals into existence, right? They came to life, they had two eyes and two ears, and some of them look vaguely similar to relatives we have, you know what I'm saying, like that. But the difference between us, when He said, I'm going to make man in our image, was He put His Spirit in us. And that's where everything changed. It's all spiritual from here on out. So today we're going to talk about family is spiritual. That's the name of the message. It's in your orange bulletin. There's some notes in there if you want to follow along. You can follow along on uh, the Bible app if you want. The notes are actually already filled in on the Bible app, so you can't beat that. The small group questions are on there. It's a great, great resource for you. Today, however, we're going to talk about family. Did you know that every aspect of your family is spiritual? It was created for a reason. It's created to help you and I understand that it's spiritual and to understand the spiritual aspects of the world. You know, when Jenny and I, uh, we grew up in two totally different families. Um, my family uh, was, my mom and dad were kind of forced to get married because of me. Uh, I figured that out at eight or nine years old when I figured out y'all got married in March and I was born in November. Hey, What? And we had a sit-down discussion that day. And, but now, and there's lots of successful marriages that happen that way. But what happened with my family is that it just kind of went south from there. My parents didn't get along great. There was 10 or 11, 12 rough years of marriage. We got to examine that, me and my sister, uh, with, with lots of unhappiness, lots of fighting. Ended in a divorce that well, it was final pretty quick, but it lasted for years. I don't know how that works, but... Uh, we got to experience that. And then Jenny, I won't get into details about her family, but her family really had the, the front of it looked really great. And to the girls, it, it was really great. Her mom and dad kind of held everything together behind the scenes, were unhappy. And a year after we got married, um, they got a divorce. So we both came from these, these families where marriage wasn't working correctly. And so when we started dating, we had just, like she had given her life to Christ two years before, and I had just given my life to Christ, both in college, and we started right off the bat going, listen, 
I'm not going to have a marriage like my parents did. And we both agreed with that. That's what we did not want. And our goal was, let's put God first and, and really try to figure this out from scratch, what, what marriage is all about, and thank the Lord. And as I could only give 100% of the glory to God this next May, we will celebrate 25 years of marriage. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. No applause, just money. Please, no applause, just money. Um, I've been saying that since I was five. It never works. I don't know. Um, we, we, and we'd be the first to tell you, our first year of marriage, we kind of joke <laughs> like that. Our first year of marriage, we thought it was going to end in divorce or murder at any moment. It was two people that knew what they didn't want in marriage, and, but we had no idea what we wanted in marriage. We got married. We had both been living on our own for years. So you have these bachelors, bachelorettes coming together. We had our own way of doing things. She wouldn't mind me, and I wouldn't mind her. And it was just constant. That first year, we were living in married housing at Southwestern at Weatherford. And thank the Lord, it was cinder block walls. That's all I have to say. Um, it was two rooms about this big is what it felt like at times. You couldn't go and hide from somebody else. You could see them right there. They're in that other room right there. And, and so... When I, when I talk about this today, it's, it's in the most humble position. It is me knowing nothing. Can I, can I be 100% honest with you? Knowing nothing outside of God and what he's taught us these last 24 years. Watching, watching other people that have done it right has helped tremendously. But how many of you know, I'm not wired like them. And Jenny's not wired like them. So you, you have to figure this out on the road. And today what I want to do is I want to give you some of God's word, and give you some direction, and connect the dots with how all of your family is spiritual, and especially your marriage, all of it, so that when you have those times when you're not feeling physically like it's going great, or emotionally like it's going great, you can say, hey, that's not the deciding factor always. It's not the only deciding factor. The, the deciding factor, what should be my foundation is the first thing I want you to get to, the first point in your notes, that marriage is spiritual. That's where it starts. Marriage is spiritual. And I'm going to read one of my least favorite passages of Scripture. I say most favorite almost every week. But one of my least favorite because it's misread so often in other churches. I, I have been on staff in other churches when they have read it and misread it and misquoted it and misanalyzed it. And Let me just say, it's not because I know everything. It's because I've lived through it. And because I want to show us today, here's the correct way. When you read Scripture, if you don't read it spiritually, you're missing the whole aspect of it. You're missing the whole point of it. We read things so often from a physical standpoint. And, and Scripture says it's not physical. The, the Bible's not physical. We, people get upset because you know they'll see somebody, they tear up their Bible, and they go, you tearing up God's Word? This isn't God's Word. This is just a recording of God's Word. God's word is spiritual. It's eternal. It says heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will last forever. Could I get a good amen? You know what I'm saying? Like, so don't get caught up on all the physical. It's too hard to work God's word into the physical. Sometimes it doesn't even fit until you figure out it's spiritual first. So first thing today, I want to talk about that marriage is spiritual. It seems so physical because of everything we go through. We start with a bazillion dollar wedding. That's, that's, that's a one with 712 zeros after it, bazillion. We start with an incredible wedding that's really so much physical. And what's, what's hilarious about it, when Jenny and I started premarital counseling, 
to get married. We go to marriage counseling a couple of times, you know, because we have no idea what's going on. So we decided, my cousin was the youth pastor on staff, we decided to let family take us through marriage counseling. You can write this down, it's not in your notes. Do not let family do premarital counseling. Could I get an amen from Jenny on the back row? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were times when she goes, I'm not answering that. Can y'all picture Jenny saying that? I can't picture her. She said, she said, I'm not answering that. And I would go, yeah, let's just skip that one. And my cousin would look and go, well, we need to talk about this. And I'm like, dude, skip it. Let's go. <laughs> you know, like, we're here to get closer, not farther away. <laughs> so let's work with it. But even in making our vows, this is, this is how rough it was. When we were looking at marriage uh, vows, you know, like pre-printed ones, they all had this word in there. You know what the word is? Uh, yeah. What was similar to that, I will submit. And we would look at each other. Is, does it have to be in there? That doesn't have to be in there. Let's, we're going to write our own vows. That's super spiritual. And we wrote our own vows. That's how immature we were. Like, I'm not saying submit. We'll grow into that. You know, I mean, and no wonder we had so many issues when we started off. And, and, it's, it's been amazing to watch God take the very things that turned us away, the word submit, and to go, what, hold on a minute, that's spiritual, and that's the only way it works. And, but when you come at it from this point of view, and I'm going to read it to you, when you come at it from the physical point of view, anybody that's got a spine goes, don't talk to me that way, right? Am I the only one? I guess I'm the only one, all right. That's, no, when, when we go, well, you have to obey me. Like that, it's like, no, that's, that's not the kind of marriage I'm in for. You know, you need to submit. God's Word said it. You need to submit. I don't know about that. But when we understand that it's not physical until it's spiritual, that's how it's supposed to work. Let me, let me start for you. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 5, this passage today. We're going to connect the dots for us. I love it. I used to hate it, but I love it because now I see where it connects the dots. The first verse is verse 21, and it says this. It starts with that word, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It starts right now, Paul is giving these Ephesians some marriage counseling. He's giving it some counseling for them, some advice. And he's saying, first of all, you have to submit to one another, both of you mutually. But here's how it works. Here's the only way it works. It doesn't work physically unless it's spiritually first, out of reverence for Christ. So kind of our, our foundation for this today, point number two is this, that submit to Christ. That's the only way that it works. And people will say, well, I love Jesus, and I went to church all the time, and I prayed, and I, I mean, I did everything, and I could not make my marriage work. And can I tell you, don't be ashamed of that if you're sitting here today, because it takes two people, believe it or not, in a marriage to make it to work. Could I get an Amen. It, it, you can be the strongest, most solid believer in the world. And if you have a spouse that is not submitted to Christ first, it's almost impossible. That's the way it has to work. That's the way it was designed to work. See, last week we talked about how in the beginning God created man in his image. He created man and woman, mankind in his image. He put his spirit in us. And that's in chapter 1. If you look over in chapter 2, it, it keeps going. Listen to this verse in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. He gets in too much trouble. I will make a helper suitable for him. Right? It's not good for man to be alone. Good amen on that one, right? It's not good for any of us to be alone. I don't know that he's, if he's talking about something specific, but in general, it's not good. Alone is not the way we were created to live. 
together, together, together was how we were created to live. And then it goes on. Verse 24 on down says, And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, and they become one flesh. God created man. He said, this isn't complete. Now I'm going to create woman. And don't you love it that God did not create woman out of a man's heel bone so a man could lord over a woman? That lady, that's a good spot for an amen right there. And, uh, and, and aren't, you, aren't you glad that he didn't create it out of the head so that, well, out of, aren't you glad that he created it out of the rib so that we could stand side by side? God doesn't do anything on accident. It's on purpose. We're created to go through this together. And the Bible says from the very beginning, when God created heaven and earth, that's why, that's why, you read that's what it says? That is why man and woman will come together. They will be united. They will leave their family. They will leave all the strings attached. And they will become one flesh. Now let me just clear this up real quick. Does that mean we become one body? No. You go through the world... Two separate bodies, but you're one flesh. That means the physical is actually ruled by one spirit. Like we're, we're one organism together. Jenny and I had to realize as headstrong as we both were, this isn't going to work if she's the boss and I'm the boss. It's not going to work. We figured that out pretty quick. We're going to both have to give up to God and we're going to have to walk beside each other as we follow Christ. And we can submit to one another if we will submit to Christ first. Amen? I don't have all the answers. I still don't. At 24 and a half years marriage, I don't have even close. In fact, the older I get, the less answers I think I have. But the more dependent I become on God, the more dependent I become on His Word. You would think I would kind of figure this out after a few years. But you become more dependent on that because I begin to see the dots connected that it's not this physical thing, physical representation of what God's doing spiritually in my life. Let's keep reading. So now that we know that, in fact, James 4, 7 says this in your notes. It says, submit yourselves then to God. So once we get that part, you know what? We're going to enter this marriage, both of us following Christ. Then Paul goes on in Ephesians and he continues to give advice to the, to the husband and wife. He said, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. Can, can we just reemphasize what he said to begin with? We, we can only submit to one another. After we've submit, submitted to the Lord. It's the only way it works. The physical gets in the way if, if the spiritual's not leading the way. He goes on. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body. Okay, hold on just a second. I'm, I'm kind of confused. Okay, let's get this. So, husbands and wives, we're submitting to each other, right? Right? Y'all with me? Okay, we're submitting to each other. And then he picks out... He's going he's gonna to really hit two of the biggest aspects, characteristics of marriage, submission and love. He's going to put those two together. He picks the wife on the first one, the husband on the second one. And he said, now you, you need to submit to one another and then submit to your spouse out of your reverence for God. Out of your relationship with God, out of your understanding that this is spiritual, submit to them. Because if you submit to Christ, Christ is the head of of the church, which is his body. Now, hold on. So the husband and wife come together. They're one flesh. And then we submit to Christ because he's actually the head of another body that we're a part of, right? Is, are we getting that all right? There's some spiritual stuff going on here because I only see two separate bodies physically. 
but there's some spiritual stuff going on here. Let's, let's keep connecting some dots. So now, verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, as the body of believers submit to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Then he picks the other characteristic and he says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now he's mixing, all through this, he's mixing the two, the church, your spouse, the church, your spouse, the church, your spouse. Do this as Christ did the church, because that's the way you should treat your spouse. Let's keep, let's keep reading. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water, that's symbolic of the Spirit of God, the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle, without or any blemish, but holy and blameless. And here's, here's a dot that he's going to connect, verse 28, in the same way. Do you understand what he's doing through all this? I'm going to keep reading in a second, but I want you to see this. It's crucial to understand marriage. The same example, Christ loved the church. Christ gave himself up for the church. Christ submitted to God's plan for the church. Christ gave everything for the church. Christ loved the church. Like husbands and wives, do that for each other, and you can have a successful marriage. That's what he's saying. It has nothing to do with you do the laundry and I do the garden and I do the car and I do it, not, that comes after submitting to Christ. He's comparing it always. The marriage is representation, something spiritual. Let's let's keep reading. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are all members of, here, here's the, another spiritual aspect of his body. You're, you're united with your spouse in marriage, but don't forget, at first comes you're united with him in the body of Christ, which he's the head. You're mutually submitting, and then he's the head of your spiritual that make sense? Whew, there's a lot of weird stuff in here, isn't there? Verse 31, and for this reason, we're going to see something out of Genesis 2. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And don't forget this last sentence. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. He's given us marriage counseling right here, marriage advice to make your marriage work. And he said, but don't forget, it's actually about Christ and the church. It's actually all about your relationship with Jesus. It starts with submitting to him first, understanding that you're part of this body first. And I don't mean like this organization. I'm talking about the big C, the big church in the world, that you're part of Christ's body. And everything we do should be in motivation. Our heart, maybe, maybe you've heard this before. Maybe that big sign out there on the lobby wall, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength, when we begin to realize that all of that belongs to Him. And that's the only way I can love Jenny, with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. I first gave it to Him, and He said, well, good, that's the kind of marriage I can work with. Now you can start loving your wife like that. There were times when we would get in fights, and later we would make up. This is how mature we were, we were so mature. And one of us, and both of us have done it many times, they go, I want you to know that I want to be mad, 
that I want to do this or this or this or this. This was our immature way of like bringing Jesus into the marriage, you know. But I'm not because I'm trying to live for Jesus. Multiple, that was like our on ramp. And if we would have had somebody sitting there counseling us, we'd have probably told them to take a hike and we'd have went on with our argument. Because we weren't ready for that yet. We didn't understand this whole thing is spiritual. You say I'm only doing this because, but the reason I'm doing that is because this is spiritual. That's the only thing that keeps this together. It's because this all is spiritual. I'm, I'm connected to him, the body. This is one flesh. Two bodies, but one flesh also connected to him. It's the only way that it works if I understand that marriage is spiritual. Amen? Marriage is spiritual. And then when you start putting all those together, here's, here's the answer you get. Super clear, clear as mud. You ready for this? Number three is this. You're one. All right? All of us, we're one. We're one with our spouse. We're one with the church. And we're one with Jesus. Can I tell you something? When you begin to connect the dots that I'm, when, I'm loving Je- when I'm loving Jenny, that I'm loving Jesus... When you begin to connect the dots, like, hold on a minute, this relationship is a reflection of this relationship? This marriage is a reflection of this relationship? Then I start understanding why this relationship exists. This is to help me understand this relationship. You understand that all through Scripture, check this out, all through Scripture, Jesus is referred to as the bridegroom. He's the groom. And he says the church is the bride. There's even an engagement. There's a wedding. Did y'all know about all this? Why didn't somebody tell me this? I'm the pastor. I should have known. Listen, he even talks about the engagement. You remember when Jesus is fixing to leave? He's resurrected. He's telling his disciples, I want you to go win the world, teach them everything, baptize them. And he says this in John 14. Here's your engagement. Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. That's totally a Hebrew engagement right there. And what the Hebrew culture would do is they would get engaged. The man would go off to a, it's called a betrothment period. He would go off, prepare the land, the house, everything he needed. He would come back for the wedding, marry his wife, and they would go off and live happily ever after. That's the engagement. Jesus has been telling us all through Scripture, one of these days the groom is going to show up. One of these days it's not going to be trying to figure out how the flesh connects with the spirit. One of these days, it's I'm going to connect everything together instantly for you. One of these days, you're going to get to see what your faith has been pushing for, has been reaching for, has been growing for your entire life. One of these days, you're going to get to see. In fact, if you read over in Revelation 19, here's what it says. Verse 7, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and here's a great one, and his bride has made herself ready. You ever wonder what your purpose on this planet is? What is my purpose on this planet? What's out there on the wall, but we can expound on it. It is to love God and love people. And in that process, hopefully we will change us, we will change our spouse, we will change our kids, we will change the people that are around us, and we'll help them to understand that all of this physical is also spiritual. That everything we go through is spiritual. So that when I get to the wedding right here, when I get to this wedding, then I'm ready. It's not going to be a wedding like what we do, I'm sure. But this spiritual understanding, this spiritual enlightenment, however this works, one of these days Jesus is going to show up again. And he's going to say, are you ready? 
Were you ready? Did you know that the marriage was just a symbolic thing? It really was about our relationship. How well you could treat them, how well you could submit to them, how well you could love them was all on this. So don't worry about what happened last week. Don't worry about what happened first marriage. Don't worry about all those things. Things happen. Look at your neighbor and say, yep. Don't worry about that. You know what you should worry about? Getting ready for the future. That Jesus came into the world so that you didn't have to worry about the past at all. Amen. You take that, Lord. Thank you for forgiving me of that. And let's move on because I want to be ready for this. I, I spent the first 23 years of my life not getting ready for Jesus. I could sit and mope about that all the time. I could sit and whine and, oh, why was I in that family? And why did my dad cross-eyed? I don't know. Like all that kind of stuff. My dad just sees this. He's going to laugh at that one. Or, or I could say from this point forward, this point forward, it's going to be about me getting ready, about me understanding that everything is spiritual. Amen? Well, let, let's, let's wrap it up with the last two that are super important also. Because I want you to see this. Point number four, I want you to see that parenthood and children are spiritual too. Like parenthood is kind of the Savior, children are the devil. That's kind of that. That's it. Let's pray. We're done. You know, as much as I crack jokes, sometimes it is all I can, like my ADD kicks in, man. It's all I, I just want to do stand up spiritually all day long up here. So, sorry, I apologize ahead of time. Parenthood and children are spiritual and they're for a reason. They're a reason that it happens. I'll, I'll give you a couple of tips. Maybe it's something like we've heard yet, or last week and this week. So you look over for kids in the very next chapter, Ephesians 6. We've been reading Ephesians 5. Let's just jump over to Ephesians 6. Very first verse says this Children. Obey your parents, and sometimes we like to stop there. But he gives us the key spiritual part of that. Obey your parents in the Lord. Help your kids to see that this relationship right here, at every age of a child, is actually based on this relationship right here. Right? What do they call it when, when Jesus said that it's God the Son, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. What was the first one? Trying to figure out how to do that backwards. God the Father. I'll just give it to you. God the Father. He, he's our Father. We're His kids. He has created you and me as parents to be little examples of God to our kids. Kids, obey your parents in the Lord. Follow Christ. Let that be your example. Let that be your doorway to be able to follow your kids. Or to follow your parents. And then for parents, jump down to verse 4 in chapter 6. Fathers or parents, don't exasperate your children. Don't make it worse. Make it better. Could I get an amen? Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Okay, what was, what was the verse 1 again? Y'all help me out. So it was obey your parents in the Lord, right? But then parents' job is not to make things worse, not to exasperate, but through training and instruction to teach the kids that this is all a spiritual thing. The kids, you got to obey your parents in the Lord, but parents, your job is to teach them about the Lord, and then they'll obey in the Lord. You understand, like, that whole thing works together, and it only works right if it's in Him. Parenthood and children are spiritual. And you know, children have a distinct, distinct example multiple times through the Word, and I want to I end with this. They have a purpose. Since we've all been children, Luke 18 says this, 
But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me. We've quoted this many times. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as this. And I want to point out something that you may have not grasped yet. We're all God's kids. And the last one there is the kids, children on this planet, are just symbolic of you and me. They're symbolic of the desperate need for relationship. You see kids and they just they want to go out with their friends, they want to go hang out. They're, kids are symbolic of the trusting and the faith that you need. Kids are symbolic of the inadequacies. Can't do it on their own. They have to have their father. You understand like every physical example when we're talking about our kids really is just us spiritually. I've told that story before about my son who is 19 and in college now. That's even weird for me to say. When he was about a year old, 10 months old, however it is, you learn to walk. I was in the living room with him, and we had a fireplace, and I was sitting on the coffee table. And I would pick him up and put him on the coffee table, and he would hold like this. you know. He'd do that and let loose, and then he would fall. And we did this for days and days and days. You know how it is. Like they start standing up and holding it about six months. You're like, my kid's going to be running back like no time. And then like six months later, you're still like, turn loose and walk. Go, go. You know, they're scared about that. And I remember picking him up. He's in a little baby blue onesie thing. And I was picking him up. I'm like, you got it, Luke. And I'd hold my, hold my fingers. And he's holding my fingers. I'm like, go, go. And he would take a step. I'm like, you got it, you got it, you got it. I'd pull my fingers out. And he would just fall on his face. And we're just doing that over and over. And I'm just loving it. Like, look, he's taking two steps. He's taking three steps. Oh, look at this. And right in the middle of it, it was one of those just spiritual heart punches. You ever get one of those when God just goes, let me show you a little truth. And right in the middle of it, and he goes, Scott, this is just like you. Like, you, you have this preconceived idea that every time you mess up, I get so mad at you and just want to kick you outside. But that's just like Luke falling down, and you just open the front door and go, well, you can't walk. You're plenty old enough. Get outside. Nobody would do that. In fact, I loved the whole process. I loved teaching my kids to walk. I loved being a part of that. We loved teaching them to talk and correcting things that were wrong and all the different stuff that happens. And God said, that's why you have kids. That's why you have kids. It shows you a little bit of the relationship between this. That's why you have marriage. It shows you a little bit of the relationship between this. That's why you're a parent. It shows you a little bit of relationship here. And the reason I bring that out today is because out of all the things, out of all the things that influence us in this world, family is probably the number one, either the lack of influence or the influence, probably the number one in our lives. How much more if we started off, like especially those that aren't married yet in here, how much more, how much better could your marriage be? How much more powerful, impactful could your parenthood be? Grandparenthood. How much deeper could you understand the world and your purpose on this planet if you understood that my marriage is totally spiritual? That my parenthood is totally spiritual? That being my father's child up there and my father's child here, my mother's son here, that all of that is totally spiritual. God could have just made a bunch of people and put them out the pasture and we just wanted around and when he wanted some more, just make a bunch of more. 
It's not what he did. He said, I, I want them to understand that everything in this world is spiritual. And that through everything, if you'll connect the dots, if you'll acknowledge what God says and does in this world, that you can grow more spiritual in everything. In everything you do. Amen? I want us to walk out of here today another step, another step closer in understanding that every single thing is spiritual. And listen, just like my mom and dad, I've got a little bit of my mom and dad in me. And I like to think I get a little more of God in me all the time. My goal is to become more like Him. Like John the Baptist said, less of me, more of you. Less of me, more of you. That's, that's what I hope, that I become more like my father every day. Earthly father's great. Earthly mom's great. Learned a bunch, good and bad. But I hope I become like my heavenly father. I hope I understand that everything is spiritual. He's with me. He's shaping me to who he wants us to be. Can I pray for you today? Lord, we're so thankful for your word. Golly, we're so humble that we get to sit here and just read your word and every understanding of it throughout the history of the world, we can just look it up immediately. But that word, that word is so true. It's so insightful. It unveils truth and majesty. It unveils your plan for every person in this room, every person on this planet. Lord, I pray that in our marriage, in our parenthood, with our children, that we would first and foremost give every bit of it to you. Every bit of it. We submit totally, 100. We give you the keys. You're in the driver's seat. You lead us. You guide us. That's the only hope that we have. And from this day forward, Lord, that you would help connect the dots through our kids. Connect the dots through our moms and dads. Connect the dots through our spouses, through our relationships. That you want to grow us, that you want us to understand more and more every day that everything is spiritual. Lord, may your spirit empower us. May it be a guide in all truth. And may it show us your will in everything. With your eyes still closed, I want to pray a submission prayer. That's what I want to pray. A prayer that if, if your relationship is not right with God, if you say, you know what, I've, I've not submitted my life to God, I've not turned over the keys, I've not let Him be my Lord and my Savior, then this prayer is for you. You don't have to pray it, but this is a great opportunity with your church family, with a bunch of people that love you, may not even know you, but we love you. We want to pray today and give you an opportunity to open your heart and your life and let Jesus come in and be your Savior. Just what He did with us. Forgive you of your past, set your feet on a new path, and lead you from this day forward. With nobody looking around, I'm not going to have you stand or call you out or anything like that. I just want to know, is there anybody in here that's praying that prayer today? That you're opening your heart and your life and you're saying, Jesus, come in. I submit my life to you. If that's you, will you just give me a little wave real quick? And you can put your hand right back down. It just lets me know, that's me. I'm making that decision. It's going to wait a second. Give you an opportunity as we pray. I want to pray for you. Awesome. Lord, I'm so thankful. So thankful for your spirit that leads us and guides us. I pray that from this day forward, 
that we would look with new eyes into our relationships, new eyes into our marriage, our parenthood, our children, and that you would show us truth, that you would illuminate the spiritual world for us, Lord. Connect the dots between what we do every day and what you're doing in our lives every day. We love you, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.